0: chapter nine of the hour of the dragon by robert e howard this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine it is the king or his ghost many men passed through the great arched gates of tarantia between sunset and midnight belated travelers merchants from afar with heavily laden mules free workmen from the surrounding farms and vineyards Now that Valerius was supreme in the central provinces, there was no rigid scrutiny of the folk who flowed in a steady stream through the wide gates. Discipline had been relaxed. The Nemedian soldiers who stood on guard were half drunk and much too busy watching for handsome peasant girls and rich merchants who could be bullied to notice workmen or dusty travellers, even one tall wayfarer whose worn cloak could not conceal the hard lines of his powerful frame. The man carried himself with an erect, aggressive bearing that was too natural for him to realize it himself, much less to it. A great patch covered one eye, and his leather coif drawn low over his brows shadowed his features. With a long, thick staff in his muscular brown hand, he strode leisurely through the arch, where the torches flared and guttered and, ignored by the tipsy guardsmen, emerged upon the wide streets of Tarantia. Upon these well-lighted thoroughfares, the usual throngs went about their business, and shops and stalls stood open with their wares displayed. One thread ran a constant theme through the pattern. Nemedian soldiers, singly or in clumps, swaggered through the throngs, shouldering their way with studied arrogance. Women scurried from their path, and men stepped aside with darkened brows and clenched fists. The Aquilonians were a proud race, and these were their hereditary enemies. The knuckles of the tall traveler nodded on his staff, but, like the others, he stepped aside to let the men in armor have the way. Among the motley and varied crowd, he did not attract much attention in his drab, dusty garments but once as he passed a sword sellers stall and the light that streamed from its wide door fell full upon him he thought he felt an intense stare upon him and turning quickly saw a man in the brown jerkin of a free workman regarding him fixedly the man turned away with undue haste and vanished in the shifting throng but conan turned into a narrow by-street and quickened his pace it might have been mere idle curiosity but he could take no chances the grim iron tower stood apart from the citadel amid a maze of narrow streets and crowding houses where the meaner structures appropriating a space from which the more fastidious shrank had invaded a portion of the city ordinarily alien to them the tower was in reality a castle an ancient formidable pile of heavy stone and black iron which had itself served as the citadel in an earlier, ruder century. Not a long distance from it, lost in a tangle of partly deserted tenements and warehouses, stood an ancient watchtower, so old and forgotten that it did not appear on the maps of the city for a hundred years back. Its original purpose had been forgotten, and nobody, of such as saw it at all, noticed that the apparently ancient lock which kept it from being appropriated as sleeping quarters by beggars and thieves, was in reality comparatively new and extremely powerful, cunningly disguised into an appearance of rusty antiquity. Not half a dozen men in the kingdom had ever known the secret of that tower. No keyhole showed in the massive green crusted lock but Conan's practiced fingers, stealing over it, pressed here and there, knobs invisible to the casual eye. The door silently opened inward, and he entered solid blackness, pushing the door shut behind him. A light would have showed the tower empty, a bare cylindrical shaft of massive stone. Groping in a corner with the sureness of familiarity, he found the projections for which he was feeling on a slab of the stone that composed the floor. Quickly, he lifted it, and, without hesitation, lowered himself into the aperture beneath. His feet felt stone steps leading downward into what he knew was a narrow tunnel that ran straight toward the foundations of the Iron Tower, three streets away. The bell on the Citadel, which tolled only at the midnight hour, or for the death of a king, Boomed suddenly. In a dimmed, lighted chamber in the iron tower, a door opened and a form emerged into a corridor. The interior of the tower was as forbidding as its external appearance. Its massive stone walls were rough, unadorned. The flags of the floors were worn deep by generations of faltering feet, and the vault of the ceiling was gloomy in the dim light of torches set in niches. The man who trudged down that grim corridor was in appearance in keeping with his surroundings. He was a tall, powerfully built man, clad in close-fitting black silk. Over his head was drawn a black hood which fell about his shoulders, having two holes for his eyes. From his shoulders hung a loose black cloak, and, over one shoulder, he bore a heavy axe, the shape of which was that of neither tool nor weapon as he went down the corridor a figure came hobbling up it a bent surly old man stooping under the weight of his pike and a lantern he bore in one hand you are not as prompt as your predecessors master headman he grumbled midnight has struck and masked men have gone to milady's cell they await you the tones of the bell still echo among the towers answered the executioner If I am not so quick to leap and run at the beck of Aquilonians as was the dog who held this office before me, they shall find my arm no less ready. Get you to your duties, old watchman, and leave me to mine. I think mine is the sweeter trade by Mithra. For you tramp cold corridors and peer at rusty dungeon doors while I lop off the fairest head in Tarantia this night. The watchman limped on down the corridor still grumbling and the headsman resumed his leisurely way a few strides carried him around a turn in the corridor and he absently noted that at his left the door stood partly open if he had thought he would have known that that door had been opened since the watchman passed but thinking was not his trade he was passing the unlocked door before he realized that aught was amiss and then it was too late. A soft, tigerish step and the rustle of a cloak warned him, but before he could turn, a heavy arm hooked about his throat from behind, crushing the cry before he could reach his lips. In the brief instant that was allowed him, he realized with a surge of panic the strength of his attacker, against which his own brawny fuse were helpless. He sensed without seeing the poised dagger nemedian dog muttered a voice thick with passion in his ear you've cut off your last aquilonian head and that was the last thing he ever heard in a dank dungeon lighted only by a guttering torch three men stood about a young woman who knelt on the rush-strewn flags staring wildly up at them she was clad only in a scanty shift her golden hair fell in lustrous ripples about her white shoulders, and her wrists were bound behind her. Even in the uncertain torchlight, and in spite of her disheveled condition and pallor of fear, her beauty was striking. She knelt mutely, staring with wide eyes up at her tormentors. The men were closely masked and cloaked. Such a deed as this needed masks, even in a conquered land she knew them all nevertheless but what she knew would harm no one after that night our merciful sovereign offers you one more chance countess said the tallest of the three and he spoke aquilonian without an accent he bids me to say that if you soften your proud rebellious spirit he will open his arms to you if not he gestured toward a grim wooden block in the center of the cell It was blackly stained and showed many deep nicks, as if a keen edge cutting through some yielding substance had sunk into the wood. Albiona shuddered and turned pale, shrinking back. Every fiber in her vigorous young body quivered with the urge of life. Valerius was young, too, and handsome. Many women loved him, she told herself, fighting with herself for life but she could not speak the word that would ransom her soft young body from the block and the dripping axe she could not reason the matter she only knew that when she thought of the clasp of valerius's arms her flesh crawled with an abhorrence greater than the fear of death she shook her head helplessly compelled by an impulse more irresistible than the instinct to live there is no more to be said exclaimed one of the others impatiently and he spoke with an immediate accent where is the headsman as if summoned by the word the dungeon door opened silently and a great figure stood framed in it like a black shadow from the underworld albiona voiced a low involuntary cry at the sight of that grim shape and the others stared silently for a moment perhaps themselves daunted with superstitious awe at the silent hooded figure through the coif the eyes blazed like coals of blue fire and as these eyes rested on each man in turn he felt a curious chill travel down his spine the tall aquilonian roughly seized the girl and dragged her to the block she screamed uncontrollably and fought helplessly against him frantic with terror but he ruthlessly forced her to her knees and bent her yellow head down to the bloody block why do you delay headsman he exclaimed angrily perform your task he was answered by a short gusty boom of laughter that was indescribably menacing all in the dungeon froze in their places staring at the hooded figure the two cloaked figures the masked man bending over the girl the girl herself on her knees twisting her imprisoned head to look up what seems this unseemly mirth dog demanded the aquilonian uneasily the man in the black garb tore his hood from his head and flung it to the ground he set his back to the closed door and lifted the headsman's axe do you know me dogs he rumbled do you know me the breathless silence was broken by a scream the king shrieked albiona wrenching herself free from the slackened grasp of her captor oh mitra the king the three men stood like statues and then the Aquilonian started and spoke like a man who doubts his own senses conan he ejaculated it is the king or his ghost what devil's work is this devils work to match devils mocked conan his lips laughing but hell flaming in his eyes come fall to my gentlemen you have your swords and i this cleaver nay i think this butcher's tool fits the work at hand my fair lords at him muttered the aquilonian drawing his sword it is conan we must kill or be killed and like men waking from a trance the nemedians drew their blades and rushed on the king the headsman's axe was not made for such work but the king wielded the heavy clumsy weapon as lightly as a hatchet and his quickness of foot as he constantly shifted his position defeated their purpose of engaging him all three at once he caught the sword of the first man on his axe head and crushed the wielder's breast with a murderous counterstroke before he could step back or parry the remaining nemedian missing a savage swipe had his brains dashed out before he could recover his balance and an instant later the aquilonian was backed into a corner desperately parrying the crashing strokes that rained about him lacking opportunity even to scream for help suddenly conan's long left arm shot out and ripped the mask from the man's head disclosing the pallid features dog Grated the king i thought i knew you traitor damn renegade even this base steel is too honorable for your foul head nay die as thieves die the axe fell in a devastating arch and the aquilonian cried out and went to his knees grasping the severed stump of his right arm from which blood spouted it had been shorn away at the elbow and the axe unchecked in its descent had gashed deeply into his side so that his entrails bulged out lie there and bleed to death grunted conan casting the axe away disgustedly come countess stooping he slashed the cords that bound her wrists and lifting her as if she had been a child strode from the dungeon she was sobbing hysterically with her arms thrown about his corded neck in a frenzied embrace easy all he muttered we're not out of this yet if we can reach the dungeon where the secret door opens on stairs that led to the tunnel devil take it they've heard that noise even through these walls down the corridor arms clanged and the tramp and shouting of men echoed under the vaulted roof a bent figure came hobbling swiftly along lantern held high and its light shone full on conan and the girl with a curse the Cimmerian sprang toward him but the old watchman abandoning both lantern and Pike scuttled away down the corridor screeching for help at the top of his cracked voice deeper shouts answered him Conan turned swiftly and ran the other way he was cut off from the dungeon with the secret lock and the hidden door through which he had opened the tower and by which he had hoped to leave but he knew this grim building well before he was king he had been imprisoned in it he turned off into a side passage and quickly emerged into another broader corridor which ran parallel to the one down which he had come and which was at the moment deserted he followed this only a few yards when he again turned back down another side passage this brought him back into the corridor he had left but at a strategic point a few feet farther up the corridor there was a heavy bolted door and before it stood a bearded Nemedian in corslet and helmet, his back to Conan as he peered up the corridor in the direction of the growing tumult and wildly waving lanterns. Conan did not hesitate. Slipping the girl to the ground, he ran at the guard swiftly and silently, sword in hand. The man turned just as the king reached him, bawled in surprise, in fright, and lifted his pike but before he could bring the clumsy weapon into play, Conan brought down his sword on the fellow's helmet with a force that would have felled an ox. Helmet and skull gave way together, and the guard crumpled to the ground. In an instant, Conan had drawn the massive bolt that barred the door, too heavy for one ordinary man to have manipulated, and called hastily to Albiona, who ran staggering to him. Catching her up unceremoniously with one arm, he bore her through the door and into the outer darkness They had come into a narrow alley black as pitch Walled by the side of the tower on one hand and the sheer stone back of a row of buildings on the other Conan hurrying through the darkness as swiftly as he dared felt the latter wall for doors or windows, but found none the great door clanged open behind them and men poured out with torches gleaming on breastplates and naked swords they glared about bellowing unable to penetrate the darkness which their torches served to illuminate only a few feet in any direction and then rushed down the alley at random heading in the direction opposite to that taken by conan and albiona they'll learn their mistake quick enough he muttered increasing his pace "'if we ever find a crack in this infernal wall. "'Damn, the Street Watch!' Ahead of them a faint glow became apparent, where the alley opened into a narrow street, and he saw dim figures looming against it with a glimmer of steel. It was indeed the Street Watch, investigating the noise they had heard echoing down the alley. "'Who goes there?' they shouted, and Conan grit his teeth at the hated Nemedian accent keep behind me he ordered the girl we've got to cut our way through before the prison guards come back and pin us between them and grasping his sword he ran straight at the oncoming figures the advantage of surprise was his he could see them limbed against the distant glow and they could not see him coming at them out of the black depths of the alley he was among them before they knew it Smiting with the silent fury of a wounded lion. His one chance lay in hacking through before they could gather their wits. But there were half a score of them in full mail, hard-bitten veterans of the border wars, in whom the instinct for battle could take the place of bemused wits. Three of them were down before they realized that it was only one man who was attacking them. But even so, their reaction was instantaneous. The clangor of steel rose deafeningly, and sparks flew as Conan's sword crashed on bassinet and hauberk. He could see better than they, and in the dim light his swiftly moving figure was an uncertain mark. Flailing swords cut empty air or glanced from his blade, and when he struck, it was with the fury and certainty of a hurricane. But behind him sounded the shouts of prison guards returning up the alley at a run and still the mailed figures before him barred his way with a bristling wall of steel In an instant the guards would be on his back in desperation he redoubled his strokes flailing like a smith on an anvil and Then was suddenly aware of a diversion out of nowhere behind the watchman rose a score of black figures and there was a sound of blows murderously driven steel glinted in the gloom and men cried out struck mortally from behind in an instant the alley was littered with writhing forms. a dark cloaked shape sprang toward conan who heaved up his sword catching a gleam of steel in the right hand but the other was extended to him empty and a voice hissed urgently this way your majesty quickly With a muttered oath of surprise, Conan caught up Albiona in one massive arm and followed his unknown befriender. He was not inclined to hesitate, with thirty prison guardsmen closing in behind him. Surrounded by mysterious figures, he hurried down the alley, carrying the Countess as if she had been a child. He could tell nothing of his rescuers, except that they wore dark cloaks and hoods doubt and suspicion crossed his mind but at least they had struck down his enemies and he saw no better course than to follow them as if sensing his doubt the leader touched his arm lightly and said fear not king conan we are your loyal subjects the voice was not familiar but the accent was aquilonian of the central provinces behind them the guards were yelling as they stumbled over the shambles in the mud and they came pelting vengefully down the alley seeing the vague dark mass moving between them and the light of the distant street but the hooded men turned suddenly toward the seemingly blank wall and Conan saw a door gape there he muttered a curse he had traversed that alley by day in times past and had never noticed a door there but through it they went and the door closed behind them with the click of a lock the sound was not reassuring but his guides were hurrying him on moving with the precision of familiarity guiding conan with a hand at either elbow it was like traversing a tunnel and conan felt albiona's lithe limbs trembling in his arms then somewhere ahead of them an opening was faintly visible Merely a somewhat less black arch in the blackness and through this they filed After that there was a bewildering succession of dim courts and shadowy alleys and winding corridors all traversed in utter silence Until at last they emerged into a broad lighted chamber the location of which Conan could not even guess For their devious route had confused even his primitive sense of direction End of chapter 9